Hey, everybody, welcome back to another way, way back episode of the Catholic Talk Show. We're going way back today. We're going to be talking about Adam and Eve. Yeah, we're going back to the Garden of Eden. We're going to tell you what the Catholic Church teaches about Adam and Eve. Were they real people or were they an allegory? We're going to talk about what the Church teaches on evolution, and we're going to tell you where the real Garden of Eden actually was. So here's your moment. Talk about Genesis. This is the beginning. So you better put those fig leaves on, and let's get this garden party started up in here. guys good to be back with you guys and our listeners um father rich ryan shield what's up guys father rich, what's how happening how you guys doing well i'm excited guys i love talking about genesis and from the early stages of my formation in academics at ave maria university i got into saint augustine's thought you know from you know the beautiful Civitate Deum, like the the city of God and and De Trinitate, and certainly his confessions. But I came across his commentary on Genesis, and it was so illuminating, and I just loved his thought. So I'm really looking forward to what Sheila's has discovered in his research and continuing the conversation about one of the most powerful books in the Bible, and really where the foundation of this tradition that that's been passed through Judaism into Christianity, and we continue to reference it because it speaks so much to our identity and our creation as man and woman. And, and I'm looking forward to it because I never made it that far in the seminary, <laughs> and I'm not the research scientist. Yeah, he, so. he, he got kicked out to the east of the seminary garden. Give yeah. him the boot. Yep. Sayonara. Good now, boy. before we get into the episode, why don't you tell everyone how they can uh, connect with us? So if, you wanna, if you're just a newcomer, you got to join us on our social media platforms. First and foremost, our website, www.catholictalk.com. Talkshow.com. You can subscribe. We could shoot you emails. And most certainly on our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, as well as Twitter. And for our patrons out there, if you want to support us, continue to help this show grow, make sure you're connecting with us on patreon.com forward slash the Catholic Talk Show. By all of those ways, we'll connect with you. You're connecting with us. And we're continuing to develop that fellowship that started right there in the garden. All right. So yeah, we're talking about Adam and Eve today. And I think over the course of the last 100, 200 years, the, the view of Adam and Eve has fundamentally changed, uh, particularly when taking into account uh, Darwin's work on the origin of species and the theory of evolution and the way that we more deeply understand um, just biology and paleontology. Um, but that's not to say that there isn't some very deep and meaningful things about Adam and Eve that are still as true today as they've ever been. and to really unpack what does the church really teach about Adam and Eve? Uh, does the church now look at them as allegorical figures or do they still consider them to be true historical people? Because there's definitely two schools, clearly two schools. And, you know, still today there's people that continue to hold that Adam and Eve literally existed, you know, but it is important to realize that the church instructs different interpretations of scripture and it's important to, to approach from a literal and a spiritual sense, and in the spiritual sense, to have the different contact with the scriptures in sense of allegory or anagogical treatment of a scripture. And we're going to get into that in today's episode yep. for sure. And there's two accounts, right? Two accounts of, of creation, creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. in the Bible for sure. Yeah. So our first parents, Adam and Eve. So do you know what Adam's name means? Adam. Right. And right. that comes from... Man. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's kind of a play on the word from the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew word for earth. Mm-hmm. From the earth. From the earth. Yeah. Man, Adam, earth, child. Yeah. Adama, <laughs> which means from the earth, because God created, according to the biblical account, created him from the clay and the dirt of mm-hmm. the earth mm-hmm. and breathed the, the ruah, ruah into him Elohim. and gave life to him. Breath of God. Um, That's why we do ashes. From ashes, you, yeah. yeah ashes, you know, or I even, I love, you know, the the symbolism of Jesus with spittle, you know, and clay, mm-hmm. you know, to spit into that clay and then rub it together and over the blind man's eyes was like this act of recreation. It's yeah. one of the, but it was it's, Ruah spit, yeah. not Ruah breath. <laughs> well, if you breathe Ruah hard enough, some Ruah, Ruah spit comes out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you Ruah is hard. But, yeah. I, but, yeah. I, but I do think that that actually, that's, you know, really a very cool uh, view of the incarnational nature of the second person of the Trinity that the the father with the the ruah but then the son with the actual physical uh, interaction with clay i think it's just a really amazing that's awesome yeah it really is really it's fascinating cool. now eve do you know where her name comes from eve rib nope Mm-mm. rib of the earth nope <laughs> earth rib <laughs> earth rib <laughs> Isn't that a song from Back to the Future? <laughs> earth rib, earth rib. Yeah, no. Um, no, it comes from Hava, mm. which means, I, I, again, kind of from Ruah. Yeah. Hava means breath or life. Mm. So, again, the, these names mean something so fundamental that breathing and life and the earth and life. So mm-hmm. that's that's where the names come from. Mm-hmm. As an asthmatic, right? I have I have asthma, and um, so oh, the air, you mean air's too spicy for you? <laughs> <laughs> but there's been there's been moments in my life where I I can't breathe, and it always calls to mind my frailty, like my own fragility, and like human beings' fragility that. You know, how how fragile are we that we depend on each breath? <sighs> you know, like to consider that all of the how many breaths have you drawn from the from this atmosphere in your entire life? Like there's no way that you could count it. Yeah. But nine. <laughs> but the, the you know, the fragile sense of, man, my whole life depends on this breath. And there was a first breath. And and that was breathed into the nostrils of Adam from the earth. That that man, this gener this generation of who man is, depended upon this first breath, and from that breath to mine currently, that that one breath is is sustainable by God's creative hand and mm-hmm. holding us in existence. So, Sounds like you had the fear of God in you. Yeah. I've had the fear of God in me many, many, many times, and certainly as it relates to my my uh, breathing, for sure. Yeah. So, are were Adam and Eve real people? And if they weren't, what impact does that have on salvific history? Um, and if they are real people, what does that mean for our understanding of, of the natural sciences, right? So there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Now, the church absolutely still to this day, and I don't care what anyone says, still teaches that there is a couple ways to look at this, mm-hmm. right? Number one, the church still, uh, Pius Twelfth, he said that, you, it is an absolute error to believe that there was not a f- historical Adam and Eve. Uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church number 390 says the account of the fall in Genesis 3 uses figurative language, but affirms a primeval event, a deed that took place at the beginning of history of man. Revelation gives us the certainty of faith that the whole of human history is marked by the original fault freely committed by our first parents. It does not leave wiggle room to say that 
there was not a first man and a first woman. Mm -hmm. Now, does this mean that it was 6,000 years ago and there's these two people and all of a sudden, boom, that's it? Mm -hmm. The church doesn't say that definitively, but it absolutely does say that there were two individuals and that all humankind does descend from them. Mm -hmm. And we think of naming, you know, people like you have a child, you name a child, you have a dog, you name a dog. You think nominally Adam and Eve in the same sense, but it's, that's a depraved way of looking at it because a name represents a deeper existential reality. And that's why discerning the name of your child, you know, is, is an important task of the parents. And to look at Adam from the earth Eve from the breath of life, like drawing from the same type of source of life represents something so much deeper than just like a, a mistreatment of name. Like they, they, it speaks to their existence, their identity and the whole movement of human generation and life itself. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, like the detracting physical reality of two parents that most people kind of look at is one g genetically, um, now we have, you know, science that can look at genetics. And I mean, I think they've even tracked everybody in North and South America to eight families coming over from, you know, the, the Bering Strait when during the ice age, um, you know, you also look at obviously incestual relationships, you know, you have Adam and Eve parents, children, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So those children would have to become father and mother, right? So now you have this whole idea of, you know, uh, just normal, natural, rational thought that's put into that, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, God can do anything. He made uh, women pregnant in the Bible. There are people that lived to be over 100, 200 years old, whatever like it was. Adam? Yeah. So, so the, the, the idea that, that everything can be figured out through reason and detracted as a whole, obviously doesn't account for any supernatural um, intervention plan. Yeah, or plan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Pius XII, he wrote a really awesome uh, document called Humanae Generis. And Humanae Generis deals with a lot of these things. It talks about the origin of species. It talks about evolution. It talks about Adam and Eve and their place in salvific history and, and the fall and original sin, right? Because one of the things that it's important to note is that if there were not an original... Um, primordial parents to commit that original sin. And if the fall wasn't real, then original sin isn't real. And then the need for the redemption is not necessary. I mean, it really does create a, a domino effect through theology that I, I think that it's too easy for modern human beings with our modern scientific understanding to dismiss and then still keep the house of cards of theology together. Now, so I have to ask you, are you down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. me. In is that regards. what OPP means? Like original primordial parents? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> when Tretch wrote that song, that's exactly what he was talking about. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm down with it. Are you, are you, are you impressed I mean, that I was, I was able to pull Tretch from Naughty by Nature? Dude, I was, I was impressed that you just even said original primordial parents. Okay. Well, they, I mean, that's Naughty by Nature. I mean, that's Not even talking. I hate you, man. That's, <laughs> see, but Naughty by Nature, they're even talking about the fact that they're naughty because of their own primordial, original primordial parents. Boom! <laughs> yes, dude. Full circle. Dude, yeah. that is... Put a bow on that. Howard, put that on the greatest hits clip, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, no. So, in Humanity Generis, uh, Pope Pius XII, uh, he talks about both of these interpretations of the literal and the figurative sense of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So... First, he talks about the account of Genesis, and he says, These chapters have a naive way of speaking, well-suiting to the understanding of primitive people. 
But they do disclose to us certain important truths upon which the attainment of our eternal salvation depends. And they do also give a popular description of the origin of the human race and of the chosen people. So he's, he is reflecting that scripture does have a, a poetic, a, a literal, a figurative, a historical sense. Scripture has many senses. So he's not discounting that this has a symbolic way of speaking. But in the same document, he also goes on to say that, that no Catholic really can take the uh, what's called polygenism, right? And polygenism is saying that multiple sources of humankind. Gene pool. Right, that they come from multiple people. Mm -hmm. In Humanity Generis number 37, he said, when, however, there is the question of another conjectural opinion, namely polygenism, uh, the children of the church by no means enjoy such liberty, for the faithful cannot embrace the opinion which maintains either that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through national generation from him and from our first parents. Mm. So uh, he... (laughs) But it doesn't... It doesn't, that goes against what we were thinking about with aliens. Remember, not with aliens, but other life forms too, because if they're started on some other planet, right, they're still. What the hell are you talking I don't about? Know. <laughs> well, po- polygenism no, is. So, no, but he's saying, look, he says true men in here. And I think that's an instructive um, term that he uses that, sure, like this is, this is saying that evolution is possible, right? That the ensoulment of the first people, Adam and Eve, that ensoulment happened to specific historical creatures, people, and that the, all humankind descends from those two people who have that ensoulment. That doesn't preclude the fact that alongside of them, there were genetically uh, very close, um, you know, branches of the human tree, whether it's, you know, uh, Cro-Magnons or, you know. Apes, gorillas, you know, whatever, monkeys, right? orangutans, so, chipmunks, yeah, chipmunks, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. oh my! Yeah, I mean, he he specifically said that. Look, the church does not oppose the concept of evolution, and actually, the science supports it. Um, but that the idea that all of humankind, those who have the ensoulment, do not come from those original two parents—that is a position that no Catholic can hold. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't say that. That was Pope Pius XII. So, if you don't like it, take it up with him, not me. Yeah, and and it's not it's not that only a treatment of this in a literal sense is how the Catholic Church instructs the constituents. So it still relies heavily upon looking at this through different lenses that then applies it across the board in God's creation and how it's we are a, where we are now. It's not a dogma. It's, it's not like you no, know, and yeah. and exactly, and he's not speaking infallibly, right. of course. So you know, but it's not to limit the allegorical or the anagogical sense of scripture as it relates to Adam and Eve, and how this really speaks more deeply to how we're living today yeah. than any other way. Yeah, Pope Francis a couple years back, the 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 media made a big news story out of it because he said that you know the Big Bang and evolution are completely compatible with Catholic teaching. Uh, he said in a speech to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, when we read about creation in Genesis, we run the risk of imagining God was a magician with a magician wand who was able to do, to do anything he wanted, but that is not so. He's not a magician who just went and done, right? So what I think Francis is saying here is that God guides the, the, the creation of the universe and the ensoulment of people. And that, to me, that sounds a little bit like... 
uh, what, what do they call that? Um, intelligent design. Yeah. And, and, and I can't and, help but think of fetus oh. erratio. Like the, the fact that through faith and reason, the aspect of reasonability or rationality or logic or science is something that, that has form and structure. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to be like a magical wave of, of God's grace. And then all of this existed yeah. that, that there's this like interdependency. 6,000 years ago, boom, and that was it. Yeah, there, there's a scientific interdependency on creation. And I was reading an article on how how the world would be in an absolute devastated form when bees no longer exist. And, you know, that in and of itself and how, how bees hold a lot of creation in the atmosphere in the fact that they exist and mm-hmm. they do what they do. So it, it's it, we, the interdependency factor in creation is really essential to consider, and and God scientifically has brought that through evolution to where we are. Yeah, a lot a lot of popes, so uh, Francis and Benedict and John Paul II and Paul VI and Pius XII, they all spoke about evolution, and they said there, there's nothing in it that inherently contradicts. Uh, the Catholic Church, as long as it's not removing the creative divinity from the whole process. Now, mm-hmm. Francis, a couple of years ago, one of the additional things that he said is that he gave autonomy to the beings of the universe at the same time at which he assured them of his continuous presence, which is pretty cool. Uh, giving being to every reality, and so the creation continued for centuries and centuries, millennia and millennia, until it became that which we know today, precisely because God is not a demiurge or a conjurer, mm-hmm. but the creator who gives life to all things. And evolution is in nature is not inconsistent with the notion of creation because evolution requires the creation of beings to evolve. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that goes right to the point of where, you know, the world kind of upholds the church and saying the church is against evolution or the church is against scientific development or technological advancement. And it's not. So, I mean, we, evolution was being discussed before Darwin. Absolutely. You know, and that's important to realize, you know, and, and. This discussion is still ongoing because it's something that needs to be studied and look at, looked at closely because it is a part of the way of how we have been created. We adapt, we evolve, we develop, and we are constantly in motion toward our teleological end, which ultimately is salvation and the new earth, the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem and, and that renewed sense of what we are moving toward. Yep. So they did a study about five, six years ago where they did a genetic study of the mitochondrial DNA of human beings, and they looked at all the haplogroups that this uh, mitochondrial DNA makes up. And using computer models and understanding the way that, um, um, I guess, genetics work, they were able to pinpoint that there was what is known as the mitochondrial Eve, that all human beings do by necessity of the way that um, haplogroups and everything work, they were able to pretty accurately predict that the mitochondrial Eve, so the one physical human being that all alive human beings descend from, was alive 200,000 years ago. Mm. And that the mitochondrial, uh, the Y chromosomal atom uh, would have, because the way that, uh, that would have been around the same time. Mm. So all people do, even according to science, directly descend from one person. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, again, like to, to look at Pius XII's words and how that reflects that in biology and, and a, a true study of, of uh, you know, our genes and, and seeing that 
You know, I can't believe we, like, got, good good we got good genes. And it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. That's right. Mm. Is there any um, archaeological evidence for the, uh, the location the of, of Eve? Yeah, and that, that's always fascinated it, me, too, because... What would you be looking for? Yeah, what are you going to look for? i tell you what you look for. A guy missing a rib. A missing a rib, and then on top of that, that the angel has, like, a sword of fire, and, like, it's guarding the garden. Oh, so we're looking for angels with the sword yeah, of man. fire, too. Well, actually, you see the you. angel with the fiery sword... Okay. You know you're getting close. We're going to go looking. The Bible actually tells us exactly where the Garden of Eden was. Mm-mm. I mean, exactly. You should have known that. You're you a priest. You should have known that. Me? I get a, I get a free pass on right. that. Because you got kicked out of the seminary? No, just because. <laughs> just because. Just he gets a free pass. So in Genesis 2, yeah, um, it tells us that a river flowed from the Garden of Eden, and it was divided into make four streams. The first is named the Pishon. The second is named the Gihon, and then the other two are the Tigris and, and the, the Euphrates. Euphrates yeah. mm. So, number one, where are the Tigris and the Euphrates? That's Japan. <laughs> He's joking. Japan. Mesopotamia. Right. That's yeah. where everything started. Yeah. So they're saying four rivers flowed from it. Mm-hmm. Now, that would mean that they would have to come from the headwater of four rivers, and those four rivers would end up making at least the Euphrates and the Tigris, wow. and then also two rivers, the Pishon and the Gishon. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, no one knows where the Pishon and the Gishon are, right? Because those are primordial rivers and rivers go away over time. Mm-hmm. They just do. Now, the Tigris and the Euphrates are still there. Do you think of like northern Iraq? Kind so, of a, yeah. So I, that's what I've always heard, that it's like northern Iraq. And and I've always been talking with different brothers that were in um, Iraqi freedom and and they were sharing with me coming back. They were like, Rich, there's no there's no atheists in foxholes. And when you're out there. He's like, you feel something and, and it just, it feels biblical. It feels like something is just, God is just so present to this place. And, and I heard so many different testimonies. So it's pretty interesting to think about that. So there, so yeah, they could either be in one of a couple places, right? So it could be Kuwait. Mm-hmm. Now Kuwait is where those rivers meet and then they flow into the Persian Gulf, right? So then the other, the Pishan and the Gishan could have came from there. So that would have placed the Garden of Eden in Kuwait or very southern Iraq where all those rivers meet. Now, if you're looking at it from the other way and you're saying, where did all these rivers generate from? That would bring you to somewhere around Azerbaijan or Armenia or northern Iraq. Mm-hmm. So that would be where the Garden of Eden is. Now, the Baltimore Catechism, remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, that was actually question were you 245. On, were, were you raised on the Baltimore catechism? No, but they had it in the library at my school and I used to read it. Really? Yeah. Cause you seem like a Baltimore catechism kind what, of What, properly catechized? <laughs> what, I was never introduced to the Baltimore catechism until I went to Ave Maria. No, they actually I'm had a copy watching. of it in the library and I just read it. But <laughs> really? no, other than that, our catechism was go draw macaroni drawings of Moses. And that was my catechism yeah. growing was, up too. Yeah. No, they had a copy of the Baltimore catechism in the library at my school when I was growing up. And I used to read it. And so, yeah, I was probably I knew it, formed. dude. Yeah. I knew it. So, you know what Father Rich's pickup line was before he became a priest? What's that? <laughs> he would walk up to girls in the bar and be like, hey, girl, uh, were you educated with the Baltimore Catechism? Because you look properly formed. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can see, it didn't, it did, work. It didn't, it didn't work. work. He's got collar because of it. <laughs> so, anyway, question 245 in the Baltimore Catechism says that we don't really know where the position, the exact spot of the Garden of Eden is today because of the geological forces over time. I mean, it, just over a course of a hundred years, yeah. rivers changed so much, you know, looking like Oxbow rivers and mm-hmm. all these things. 
um, or you know the get deltas. redirected, or they get they dry up, or right. Hawaiian and, Islands millions of years. You right. know, I mean that's crazy. I mean, but even even over the course of a hundred years, let alone yeah. which I mean, if we're talking five thousand years or ten thousand years or two hundred thousand years, these these areas just change so much. So we don't know the exact area, but because we know the Tigris and the Euphrates, we know that is either in Kuwait or, or northern, northern Iraq, Iraq, yeah, nor, sure. northern Iraq, Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. Armenia, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So. That's where the Garden of Eden is. So if you guys are ever, you know, bored. In that, in that 3,000 mile expanse. Yeah, if you're you anywhere know, you're in that somewhere. ginormous area, <laughs> look us up. Yeah. Go see us. <laughs> Go see. Check it. Look for the garden. Right. So another interesting thing about the Adam and Eve is that according to a lot of uh, Jewish tradition is that Adam actually had a first wife. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think I, re- I remembered something like this. Yeah. So Was it Eve? Uh, no. Oh. According to a lot of Jewish uh, tradition and in a lot of, um, I guess, Gnostic tradition, that Adam actually had a first wife named Lilith. Yes. Hmm. And Lilith was essentially um, didn't want to submit to the plan. She didn't want to be down with God, didn't want to be down with Adam. And she left the Garden of Eden and, and ended up becoming the the mother of demons. Yes. And the mother of vampires. And she, even the word Lilith... Um, means uh you know night terror night creature so yeah so this is a this is a jewish or this is this is adam's this is adam's crazy first wife okay but it wasn't a church marriage and it was annulled right right (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean like where is this stuff coming from like folklore folklore babylonian tradition um medieval most of it comes from medieval um rabbinic jewish tradition oh wow okay But uh, pretty interesting that that, is very interesting. that Lilith Lilith in, in our times has kind of become a a feminist icon because they hold her up as someone who is refusing to be subjugated to the wishes of God and man and everything um, and all that and all that. Mm-hmm. But she's a demon. She's mm-hmm. a a flying night demon who sucks the blood. She's out a of, lady demon. Yeah. She's a lady demon. <laughs> That's that's what she is. There you have it. That's Wait, a little oh, side story, yeah. listeners. Lilith on, on that. Lilith, yeah. No, Adam's crazy first wife. Oof! Thank yeah. goodness he moved on. She was yeah. she was a literal demon, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you not move on? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, first wife is <sighs> a little crazy. A little crazy. God, She's, what are we doing? Can we make another one here? Yeah. Well, can we get a mulligan? <laughs> give him a mulligan. <laughs> give me a mulligan. Like, dude, I'll give you a rib, man. Just take this one back. Just yeah. Whatever. Um, and there was probably reason why that was left out of the canon. That's. <laughs> so anyway, so. You know, Adam and Eve's had children, right? Mm-hmm. They had Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And you know that Cain killed Abel. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who the son that they had that replaced him? Is this another folklore? No. Mm. So think about this. If we're looking at the generation Seth. of human beings, there you go. Seth. Seth. Good pool. Shot, bro. Boom. That's a podcast. Oh, oh yeah. <sighs> That was almost like an act of creation there. That yeah. Yeah. If yes. we would have reached, we would have yeah, been able to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that yeah, would have like been that. easy. Yeah. But who would be the father? Yeah, we, but we pound. Who would be the father? Literally the guy father, whose right? name yeah. is father. Yeah. I'll take the I father's know, role. I know, but still, we're talking, we're just working we're talking things yeah, here, yeah. you know? Exchange. So, yeah, yeah, no, Seth. So, Seth is who, the child of Adam and Eve that all of humankind, you know, according to the biblical uh, lineage, would descend from. Because, obviously, Abel got smoked. Terminated. Yeah. Got stoned up. Yep. And then Cain was, you know, sent out to wander the earth like a 
nomad nomad mm-hmm. absolute madman with a mark on his head mm-hmm. yeah probably met with lilith and started a demon bad person thing or something you can only assume <laughs> <laughs> biker bar <laughs> biker bar <laughs> they built a biker bar somewhere in the desert yeah, to all you bikers out there i'd love you this is just a joke isn't that a motley crew video Biker bar. Kane and Lilith started started biker bar. Wow, that's that's bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. So, (laughs) so yeah. So Seth, and then they also mentioned that they had additional children. And um, does it? Do you know how old um, Adam lived to be? Tell me. Nine hundred and thirty years old. Nine thirty. Nine hundred thirty years old. Sorry, he couldn't make it to a thousand. I know that probably was tough. That was, for him. Yeah, he was going he had for a that. big party planned. Yeah, yeah. it's like in seventy <laughs> years, <laughs> man. Yeah, With a lot of great, 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 great grandchildren. <laughs> He's like, hey, you. Uh, I don't remember, remember your name. Yeah. <laughs> Did I? But I think you? you're from. Well. Everybody's from me, so <laughs> you're one yeah, of mine. You're one I mean, of mine. If you're here, you're look all at all there. these children. They're all from me <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Um, How many wives did he have? Did he, one? He, okay. One. Did she, when did she die? Do we know? It doesn't say. Okay. Doesn't say. Yeah. But it does, according to tradition, we do know where Adam was buried, and you know where that is. Tell us. You know this. Tell us. You know this. Kane and Lilith's biker bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I'm saving yeah, you. Yeah, just went in for a beer and oh. no. Golgotha. Yes. Golgotha means the Ooh, place of the skull. Wow, yeah. That's where Jesus was Absolutely. So wow. Golgotha, it was it looked like a skull, and according to all tradition, that's where Adam was buried. His skull was buried under the rock of Golgotha. And that Jesus was then crucified there. Basically closing the loop of, of, of original sin and salvation on the same spot. And another tradition is that when, uh, when the earthquake happened during the crucifixion, it broke the rock of Golgotha and some of the blood dripped down and landed on the skull of Adam and brought him back to life so he could be taken into heaven. Mm. And that was basically the, um, just the whole, all of our salvation coming into one neat little you know, loop. I believe guy can do that. Powerful. Guy can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Powerful. Well, that's pretty cool. That is. So that that's a little bit about Adam and Eve. And, you know, I, I would just, one of the things I'd really encourage everyone to do is go out and read Humani Generis. Um, it's a really, really instructive document uh, by Pius, Pius XII. XII. Who's, I love Pius XII. And it's just a tragedy that he's not. Um, Still a pope and he's, at, he's at noon right there. Yeah, that's on that clock. Pious clock. He's at noon yeah. on the pious clock. So yeah, go out and read that. And then um, there's a couple other really good documents out there. Uh, John Paul wrote a lot of great documents about uh, the origins of, of humanity and mm-hmm. and the role of um, Adam and Eve. Um, but I think it's important to understand that now we Catholics don't believe that Adam and Eve were just six thousand years ago, and then God just poofed everything out mm-hmm. into the air like a demiurge. Mm-hmm. We really do understand evolution properly, and we also really understand um, insolment and and the idea of an actual creative force behind the universe and people. So we Catholics are always both and. We're never a, a line in the sand. We mm-hmm. really look at things the way they should be scientifically, rationally, and everything. So, mm-hmm. so we want to say thank you for beginning with us in this genesis, this movement at the Catholic Talk Show in our new studio with You Catholic Studios. And I know 
if you're joining with us, you're subscribing on all of our platforms on social media, we're having a great time and we're continuing to grow in our faith together in the fabric of our community in the Catholic Church. And I know what's a part of this show is always the Inquisition. So that's right. I'm about to be asked another question you from are. Sir Ryan Shiel. Now, I had two questions and I'm going to ask you to both. boil it down to one. No, sir. I don't have to. It's the Inquisition question, not questions. Well, the Inquisition is what I tell it it is. <laughs> All right. First question. <laughs> All right, then. You get the finger wag. Oh, my. I'm torque them out of here, man. I'm making the rules, not you. You just get on the rack and you you answer. <laughs> okay, first one. Yeah. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Hmm. Hmm. No. I, I'm I with would you say on that. no. No? Mm-mm. Yeah. So they were just create okay. Yeah. What about the concept that Adam and Eve were actually the first properly genetic human beings, and then the ensoulment came with that? Then they would have um, a non-polygenistic origin that they actually came from a lesser creature, but that evolutionarily, no. no? You're saying no? No. Yeah, I'm going to say no. So Adam yeah. and Eve didn't have belly buttons N-O. on what grounds? Because there was no functional need for a belly button at that point. Right. So they just had smooth stomachs? Mm. Yeah, man. Yep. Flat stomachs. They were they're the they primordial had, parent. They had the OPP, man. Sanded they down. were the original primordial parent. <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. Flat. Just flat. <laughs> flat. All humanity would envy the flat stomachs of Adam and Eve. All right. Yeah. Now, the second question is not like the first. So... Adam and Eve had children. Yes. And all humanity descended from them. And they had belly buttons. They had belly buttons. They did. So Adam and Eve had children. Yes. And then their children had children. And their children had children that had children. Yeah. And their children's Who children. Who were they having children with? Their children. So were Adam and Eve's children by Incestual? Incestual. I would be more inclined to say yes in that, in that tradition, for sure. Well, I... I Wow, he just owned that. How Game of Thrones like? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How Game I mean, of Thrones. He's like, like yes. Next yes. question. No. What do you want? No. Yes. John and yes. Daenerys. I'm going to start answering. I'm going to start answering your Inquisition questions like that. Like, no, 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 you're not. Not giving yes. any type of context to my position. I'm just yes. going to say yes. I don't think you are. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> dude. No. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Non-belly button heaven jerk. <laughs> Well, guys, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We'll see you next week for a new and enthralling and engaging comment. (laughs) (laughs) Comment. Just say bye, Father Richard. Yeah, just say bye. Peace out.